Well, today I am very excited to speak with Jenny Rogers again. I think we've talked, what, three, two, three times? We've on talked this? twice before, yeah. On this, and then yeah. we got to meet a couple weeks yeah, ago, which was really was nice. So nice. Yeah, that was so nice to meet you in person. It was really great to see you in person too. Mm -hmm. And um, I've really enjoyed the conversations we've had and something that came up, I and I I, want, I should have dived back in and, and reacquainted myself with how you were in this conversation. But I, I received this, um, this thing about fatness and libraries from mm -hmm. someone who has been watching some of these, uh, these recordings that I've put out. And I right away thought of you because of something that we talked about in the past. I was like, we've, we've oh, had yeah. a conversation around this before. And yeah, I, thought, I think it was about uh, the eating disorder field and the meltdown that they had about Lindo Bacon. And yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah, which is really fascinating. If people mm -hmm. haven't already watched or or looked at that, what looked through that controversy. Yeah, I think I sent you the, um, I think it's the, I can't remember what it's called. It's some pro-fat or fat acceptance or some that kind liberation of- liberation thing. Something like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there was this big open letter to Lindo Bacon about how she was a white supremacist and uh, basically a terrible person because she had deadlines and was not going to just let her let somebody else write a book that she has already written. Like, yeah, I think there was a, another edition of a book that she had written that was coming out and, and healthy at any mad. size. Yeah. Health at, uh, health at, any size. Health at every size, health yeah. at every size. Okay. Uh, and so she was going to do a 20 or they, I guess is oh, yeah. whatever. She was going to yeah. do the 25th anniversary edition of that book. Mm -hmm. And people were angry that she was holding power and not allowing somebody else to write it, not understanding like that's, that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. And I think she also had lost weight. She had, she was slimmer, right? She, I don't know if she lost weight, but she's, I don't think she's ever been fat. I thought so she was the, formerly heavy and okay. oh well she, maybe I don't maybe know I don't. She, she would be considered to have a, a straight size body okay yeah is that what um, they call it yeah really it's, okay. a, it's a new term straight size body it was really interesting to to look through that and see the conversation around weight and what, mm -hmm. what that is and I I um I don't know I just it it seems it's the same woke language you said a minute ago before we started recording it marries truth to a lie, which I think yeah. is, is a really, it's a brilliant summary for what it does, because there are mm -hmm. truths in this, like it is, yeah. I think that there's something to be said for a lot of, a lot of what the woke movement is doing is raising, I don't even like using their phrases, but raising awareness mm -hmm. of ways to be compassionate to other people. And I don't see anything wrong with that, but there's something mm -hmm. about the way that it's forced in this very Oh, it's this very strict, like rigid codifying and resentment building mm -hmm. structure around yeah. building compassion in. Yeah. And it's the other thing that's weird is that there's this desire to not have any hierarchies, but there's, there's a hierarchical system where mm -hmm. like with the, um, with that organization that had a problem with Lindo Bacon, it was, it wasn't just fat people that had a problem with her writing a book on health at every size. It was fat people of color, fat mm. people of color who are disabled, fat people of color who, who are disabled and identify as queer. And so there's very much this hierarchy. Um, and at the same time, they want to eliminate it. Mm. Like they want to eliminate hierarchies based on merit, but there's this hierarchy based on identity. Yeah. And the Lindo Bacon, they, like you started to say, they, the the organization that had been created uh, that was using the name of the book that she had published mm -hmm. was was being run by other people and they wanted her in her anniversary reprint to hand that over to other people for more representation and more diversity they wanted her to right. not be the author but instead allow or or the editor or whatever yeah i think it would be print. the author but so that's... they wanted her to just hand it over Right. To people who were differently abled or different, or you know, of yeah, different, different ethnic backgrounds. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was really, it was really strange. It's weird that it's gotten tied up in this. But this particular presentation that I received is called "Fatness and Libraries: Amplifying the Voices of Fat Librarians." I mm -hmm. believe that's what it's called. And uh, oh, 
of fat librarians in DEIA work. And the A stands for accessibility. Oh, okay. I had to listen to the presentation to find that out. I also didn't understand why it's not IDEA. Oh, that'd be a good one. That would make more sense to me. Uh, It's kind of like sometimes it's Jedi. It's like justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Idea would be better than DEIA. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. But what I well this so this this presentation is about an hour long. We can put a link mm-hmm. in the description here. So if people want to watch it, they can. And it it's it's more of that marrying truth with a lie because it's some somebody did a survey of a of a bunch of librarians who were um heavy women or and men who are mm-hmm. working in libraries. I I still have trouble using the word fat the way that they mm-hmm. want to use it. They, they sh- but I, yeah, I appreciate the fact that they're kind of trying to neutralize that word. That's probably mm-hmm. a good thing. That's one of the things that's probably coming out of this. That's good because it shouldn't be shameful to be right uh, to have a you know a large uh, to be fat. That shouldn't be right. shameful. It should be neutral to some extent. But one of the things that was going on is they spend a lot of time in the very beginning justifying how being fat is not a disability. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then they spend a lot of time talking about how fat people can't do the same things that everybody else can do. Yeah. And so we need accommodations. Right. I noticed that too. There was like, and this is, so this is where there's that kernel of truth. Absolutely. People have inherent worth and dignity as human beings. And mm-hmm. that's regardless of whatever weight you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for the most part, it would it's good for employers to to have some accessibility for their employees who, you know, may have a really like an injury or a disability. That's all wonderful. That that point of them saying that they they this presenter talking about how she didn't like how fatness was equated with disability, and then talking about needs that some people may have, such as not having library books on the bottom shelf or not having librarians walk really far up to a mile to go in between buildings or, you know, all all of the different types of physical type, the physical activity related to the work. Mm -hmm. She was talking about how this needs to be more accessible because people can't do it. Mm -hmm. And so this is where the, this is where the lie comes in, where you know, people can be healthy at a range of sizes, but there are times when you're, when weight is too high or it's too low and it interferes with mobility and it interferes with functioning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. And I don't think it's kind to pretend that it's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's there as this presenter is reading the different responses from the survey participants uh, there were points where I really, I felt a lot of compassion for these people because they're describing things that are, that are their inner process, how things mm-hmm. are challenging for them or how they feel embarrassed at times yeah. and, and, and how things are, are, are difficult. And yet the tone was the, the overall tone of the presentation was, so that's somebody else's responsibility, right? That the responsibility lies with the workplace in order mm-hmm. to, uh, the, the, the survey on professional dress was Mm -hmm. particularly interesting to me in that regard. It was talking about how people felt embarrassed when they weren't professionally dressed. Yeah. I bet they do. But then that was it. It (laughs) I would feel embarrassed if I, if I didn't have professional dress to go to work. Mm -hmm. And I've also been in that situation where things don't quite fit me. And it's Mm -hmm. not because I'm above a certain size. It's because a lot of times I'm between sizes. And so Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to find something that fits well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's true. And when you're in between sizes and something's not fitting well, you can feel, you can feel a little disheveled or a little less put together. And that's not a good feeling. Yeah. Or you have fewer items of clothing to Mm -hmm. work with. Right. Um, but you know, again, it's, this is an internal experience that somebody's having a feeling uncomfortable. And in my mind, you are the person responsible for managing your internal experience, not the world around you. And there mm-hmm. were, when the presenter was going through some of the interview information, you know, she talked about 
how some people, some people seem to have a, a healthier attitude about things. Like one, one participant said something like, yeah, I do stand out because I'm fat. And I kind of like that. People mm-hmm. know who I am. Like they, they know they can recognize me right mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. Um, where she has shifted her thinking about this mm-hmm. and nobody around her did anything. Nobody mm-hmm. needed to coddle her, change what they were doing. She shifted her, what she believed about herself. And that helped. Mm-hmm. Or even like some people, some of the interview participants were saying things like, oh, I was sweating when I was doing story time and somebody brought me paper towels and I was so embarrassed. I know that they mean well. And the impression I got from the presenter was like, oh, these people who mean well, and that's really not good. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. I think erring on the side of somebody meant well is healthier than assuming that they meant ill. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and that tone was present throughout Mm -hmm. from the presenter. Uh, the maybe the one you said who who didn't mind standing out who had come mm-hmm. to that uh, I don't know if that was the same respondent but it might have been there was one who said I feel like it it makes me more accessible people find me more approachable people who are different in their own way see mm-hmm. me as as someone they can come to and talk to so that was a really nice example of self-acceptance and finding mm-hmm. something positive and yeah. and so there were those as well for sure mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. In the very beginning, and I wonder, I didn't timestamp this. I should have timestamped it so I could have gone right to it. But mm-hmm. early on, I, I, I guess one of the things that that um, that jumped out at me in this video was the the social justice language or the the DEI language. Mm-hmm. It is it is so strange the way yeah. that they they word things, and they there's like this this ever-present dissociation from from the physical body that I notice in this, where they talk about that you're performing tasks in a fat body. Right, and yes, I, I wrote that down. Did you write fat that down? Bodies. Yeah, like, yeah. It's not that you're in a fat body, like you are your body. Yeah. I'm not in a body, I am my body. And, mm-hmm. and there may be some people who have spiritual beliefs and they think that they're more than just that. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah, it's not like you zip up a meat suit and go to work. Yeah. I I wonder, have you can you identify what it is about that that's so troubling? Because for me, it's just it seems like it smacks of dissociation. There's something yeah. it really separates it separates the it. person from that physical experience of being embodied. Yeah. Yeah. And and what does that what does that lead to? Does that is that is that a way of thinking about your your body as this ultimately transformable thing is that some sort of a transhumanist priming what is that i mean it maybe i'm be. going too far down the road with that but it's just I'm a really down that rabbit hole so okay. <laughs> it's very strange and i've thought it about this really in strange. regards to like the gender issue and trans transgender medicine mm-hmm. and how it is on a it's on the spectrum of cosmetic surgery you know, it's, it's just, not it's just more, on the, like it is cosmetic it is. surgery. Well, it's on the, or I, I guess cosmetic manipulation of oneself. Right. So it's, right. it's like, you've got anything from, do I, do I dye my hair or wear makeup all the way down mm-hmm. to, did I get a nose job or get my, right. uh, uh, breast augmentation or do I mm-hmm. change, do sex reassignment surgery? You know, it's, there's right. this whole thinking about the body as like Lego parts that I can change. And so there's something about the woke language around being in a body, Mm -hmm. performing things in a body. Which is so interesting because that reminds me of people's belief in a soul, like a soul Mm -hmm. is in a body, Mm -hmm. but most of the people who are critical, critical social justice oriented, I'm painting with a broad brush, Mm -hmm. but many people are not secular. Right. Many people are secular. They don't believe in souls. And yet, mm-hmm. and yet you're in a body, you're in a body. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird thing. I, I wonder if I'd love to understand better, be able to better articulate what it is about that. That seems so disturbing. Yeah. I think the other thing that disturbs me is, especially when it comes to transgenderism and some of the surgeries is none of this is functional. Like you can get, you can get breast implants there. Those are not functional breasts. Mm-hmm. You can get a phalloplasty that is not a functional penis. You can get a vaginoplasty 
that's not a vagina. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it is changing the body, but it's not, it's not improving function. It's actually decreasing function. Mm-hmm. It's detrimental. It's, it's cosmetic only. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and that's, inter- I know we're on a tangent now from mm-hmm. the, from the fat liberation library, right. uh, but, but it is interesting to think about this as, as a form of body dysmorphia mm-hmm. and the, to what extent is it healthy to try to align the body? And when is it healthy to try to align the body with, with the, the, uh, I guess the emotional expectations or desires. Like I could say, if someone had a cleft lip. Mm-hmm. It seems like most of us would say, yeah, it's good to go ahead and, and fix that. Even if it's not mm-hmm. causing functional problems, maybe it, maybe it's, uh, or, or if someone has some kind of a, a congenital deformity that mm-hmm. isn't affecting function, but really does stand out and makes them feel embarrassed. I mean, most people would be on board with changing that. And mm-hmm. at what point is that, wh- where do we cross that line? And it seems like there's a lot of there's room to draw that line in different places for different people. Mm-hmm. And I find that to be a really interesting mm-hmm. um, topic of exploration, but yeah. all the way down to this gender surgeries that are really hurting the function of the body. Mm-hmm. You have now sacrificed function for form. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And even with, with the fatness, there's this, this belief that, the only reason that health is associated with weight is because of some, I, I don't know if it's like a heteropatriarchal, I, I don't know, like a word salad of bigotry and discrimination. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, health is just, or weight is just one data point associated with health. Somebody can be within a healthy weight range and very unhealthy. Somebody can be at a higher end of a weight of a healthy weight range and be absolutely fine. However, like, you know, there, there are health issues associated with being too low, you know, too low of a weight that your body needs or too Mm -hmm. high. Mm -hmm. And not, there's just this dishonesty about Mm -hmm. it that really bothers me. This, it's almost like if we believe it to be true, it's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it is, it, it, there is that dishonesty. And I, coming back to the idea of it's not a disability, mm-hmm. but I can't reach the bottom shelf. Right. And I, can't, I don't I can't want crouch to, down. yeah. And I also don't want to perform my job in front of people because I don't want them to see me or, you know, things like this, that, that really limit mm-hmm. one's range within mm-hmm. a profession or a mm-hmm. professional role that leaves an employer in a really difficult position because they are, they're having to uh, make special accommodations for someone, but there's, I, I imagine that there's grants and things for disabilities that are provided that wouldn't be, if this is not a disability, it just, it's a whole conversation right there. That, that mm-hmm. gap, that gap between I'm not disabled, but I can't do the things that everybody else can do. Right. Or if I can do it, I'm doing it in an incredibly sweaty in a way that somebody else would not be. Mm-hmm. That would indicate that your body is working Overtaxed. maybe harder than it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. so I, I can show a little bit of this mm-hmm. and, and then I'd, I'd love to hear your notes too. So okay. maybe we can just go into this a little bit. All right. All right. Are you seeing this on the screen now? This. Oh, yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's see. This is the video of fatness in libraries amplifying the voices of fat librarians at work. And I'm going to turn it way down because I I'm, I didn't save a tam- timestamp, but I really wanted to get to. There's this one screen where they really go into like warnings for. Was this like the trigger warning, the, you know, do what you need to do, doodle and wiggle and color and knit? Yeah, that was in the beginning of it. But this, this part right here, let me see where we are. Oh, right. Oh, this one. Yeah, I'm going to go back a little bit further because this is where. ...to weight changes and restrictive eating. This, I have... 
she gives this a big warning is indeed focused specifically on fatness however fatness cannot be examined or interpreted in isolation as our bodies and identities are shaped by and expressed in many ways i therefore focus on fatness with an emphasis on intersectionality in my work so while i will speak directly to fatness it's possible that you may recognize and relate to some of the quotes and themes described from a multitude of identity-informed perspectives. I hope that this encourages you to work in solidarity with fat people and all others who experience oppression and bias in library work and beyond. Finally, I do want to note that this presentation will include quotes from fat librarians that refer briefly to weight changes and restrictive eating. I have redacted or chosen not to share any quotes with specific weights, calories, or diets in order to minimize potential harm. However, I do want you to know that these topics will at least briefly be discussed. In this regard, and others throughout this presentation, I encourage everyone, but especially fat folks, to take good care of yourselves. With these notes on terminology and content in mind, let's... Okay. So that was the part I really, I, I just wanted to kind of give a sample of the way that this is, this is the way this is presented the entire way through. Mm -hmm. And this, th there's a warning. It It is, you're going to hear talk about, about restricting calories and about weight loss. Take care of yourself. We're going to minimize harm. We've tried mm -hmm. to minimize harm. Take good care of yourself. You can't, like, this is going to be really hard for you to hear that people might sometimes want to lose weight. Right. And that's not harmful. It may be uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but discomfort and harm are not the same thing. Right. It, uh, I haven't listened to one of these in a while. I mm -hmm. haven't, I have not been, I've, I've thankfully kind of transcended this, that part of my life where I was being forced mm -hmm. to listen to the the woke stuff when I was in school. I'm, mm -hmm. I, I feel like I have a nice barrier. So diving back into this and listening to an hour of this kind of talk, it is really strange. It's this really strange woke speak, this pretty woke speak. And it makes well, me question my reality. Sometimes I think if I want to it has this effect on me. Like if I want to, if I want to call this out and say, this is wrong, mm -hmm. there, there's this really, um, it's just the way she presents is so nonchalantly. This is just how this is. And it, it's it NPR you... sexy mommy voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that kind of mommy voice, but also a little breathy and sexy. And we're going to be talking about really difficult things. Okay, you've got me mesmerized. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> so that's an interesting word to use, mesmerized. Yeah. Anton Mesmer? Yeah. Hypnosis? Right. Yeah. Yeah, but there's there's like there's a certain cadence and a certain tone and mm. like it's it's very much in I mean, I haven't listened to NPR in I you know, probably since summer of 2020, but there is a certain cadence and a certain tone and a certain fake gentleness and it's it's a it's, little icky uh you know and I, so i know we're we're going all over the place as we yeah. as we think about this but i think it's important i think what you're bringing up is is important um i noticed i i flew uh i traveled a bunch the last month or so i was on a bunch mm -hmm. of flights and i started to notice flight attendants have this cadence mm -hmm. when they do their speed they're like and and so if everybody can just sit in their seat, we'll be right there. It's like this, like, and, and like it feels like it's, teachers. yeah. And I wonder if it's like a, a way of talking that increases compliance. Could be. It makes people feel comfortable. You're in charge. And it's just like, you're going to listen to me. And it's, it's very much a maternal figure kind of, so you're in charge and you're also somebody who might be comforting. You're, you're in charge, but not in a masculine way. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, what are your, what were your main takeaways as you listened to this presentation? What, what did you think? So the main takeaway, a, a big one for me was this focus on, um, this focus on people not being responsible for their own internal processes, 
that if if they are feeling uncomfortable or ashamed or embarrassed or worried, that it's really important for the employer to step in and make some changes to policy so that people don't have to experience these difficult internal feelings, thoughts, physical sensations. Um, there's very much this, this focus on there needs to be an external solution. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if, if people are uncomfortable being fat, I certainly don't think that the solution is necessarily weight loss. For some people, it might help. For some people, that might help health, that might help mobility, but not for everybody. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people aren't responsible for, for making you feel comfortable. Like, mm -hmm. this is your responsibility as an adult to... You know, if somebody is making comments or if somebody like one of the respondents said that um, said librarians said colleagues didn't comment directly on their bodies, but that wasn't necessary as they could tell what they were thinking. I, I, I definitely that stood out to me. Yeah. As opposed to then challenging that and saying, you know, you're really mind reading. It's possible that people are thinking that it's also possible that you yourself are thinking this and the thought that it is coming from inside the house inside you is really painful and it's much easier to think oh that is coming from other people mm -hmm. but yeah that was my big takeaway was this desire to to change everything around in terms of an employer changing policies changing the culture at work really focusing on those externals as opposed to focusing on internals. And this is what we as fat people can do to be more comfortable in the workplace. Don't mind read. You know, if people are engaged in diet talk that you don't like, you can say something like, hey, I just want to eat my, my lunch in peace. I don't really want to hear about your intermittent fasting. Um, yeah, a, a lot of the focus was on other people changing things mm -hmm. so that fat people can feel comfortable. What about you? What were your takeaways? Yeah, I, I definitely noticed that too. I, it, it seemed like she was building, using these to build a narrative of this is, mm -hmm. a, this is really difficult. This experience is really difficult for these people for all mm -hmm. these reasons. And I get the thing that I, I guess I felt like I was, I was thinking as I was listening to this is that's, I think that's valid to bring that up and, and, and demonstrate how, the, if, if the purpose of the survey is just to sort of describe an experience for other people to gain some empathy, that's mm -hmm. one thing, but it concludes with this whole, we need to advocate and we need to supply, um, and we need to create workplace environments that mitigate for these things. And it's the, it's very caretaking. It's very external locus of control. And right. when you're talking about the diet language at work, that mm -hmm. was one of the things you pointed this out, I think before we hit record, but how it was making workplace rules around what kind of, what kind of conversations are okay. Right. And that, you can't police everything. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it might be totally okay to talk about mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Maybe, you know, you end up making friends at work. A lot of the mm -hmm. time you talk about the things that are topical for you right. going on in your life. And for some people that might be a part of their life. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that caretaking was really a big takeaway. Right. Yeah. They, you know, one of the takeaways was they wanted people to add fatness to their diversity plan. And the, the presenter said something about um, employers helping their you know, fat employees feel proud. Mm. Thought, well, is that, really is that the employer's, employer's job? job? Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't think that's the employer's job. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. R yeah. Widespread discrimination with minimal protections. And they talked about institutionalized anti-fatness, that it's mm -hmm. just, um, I thought it was interesting that, I don't know if it's, it wasn't a main point, but it, it did kind of jump out at me that she, she wanted to go move away from the term fat phobia mm -hmm. because she uh, was making the point that phobias are mental, right. Mental, mental illnesses. illnesses. And they, and, she didn't want to equate that with. Yeah. With bigotry, yeah. 
which is right. That was the turn. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. I was, I was like, Oh, that's interesting. And then she, she kind of flipped it. And yeah. uh, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at my notes here. There was one that, uh, who talked about a coworker who didn't like thought that that large people were lazy or didn't do anything so she felt like she needed to kind of fight that by being extra active and not sitting sitting idly for too long mm-hmm. and i don't know maybe i'm just quibbling with one person's with one person's um, anecdote but sitting you're at work so maybe you shouldn't be sitting idly for too long Right. at work anyway but i yeah. you know there were a lot of those kind of things where you didn't get to engage back with the anecdote and they were just right. dropped and yeah well and i think you know it goes back to we can't control people's perceptions of us mm-hmm. and when you accept that it's really freeing mm-hmm. people might think that you're lazy they might think that you're fat they might think that you're ugly or you're dumb or all sorts of things. They might think that you're sexy. Mm -hmm. You can't control other people's perceptions of you. Mm -hmm. And it just seems like trying to do that is not, is not a good use of energy. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really, I think that's the, the best point probably to make from all of this. It's, it's instead of trying to help the individual to come to terms with their own experience and and work to accept themselves and to be comfortable and not be mm-hmm. so plagued by fear of judgment. Mm-hmm. It's externalizing that and telling everybody else to stop judging this person. And it mm-hmm. it plays right into the fears of the person who feels like they're being judged as well. Well, and it also even if everybody around that person stopped judging them, that doesn't take away the internal experience they might have or that internal fear that people are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That can still be there if there is self-judgment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think for a lot of people who are who are overweight or fat or however this, mm-hmm. however the politically correct way to talk about this, whatever that is, you you mentioned for some people, weight loss might be a, a good op- option, might yeah. be healthier for them. Mm-hmm. And for some people, it may be next to impossible for them. Maybe they've really been trying. So there's a point at which you have to accept yourself the way you are, even if you are moving to something new, even if you're moving towards mm-hmm. a goal, maybe that goal is weight loss and maybe it's not. But mm-hmm. in the process, you are where you are. And there's a need to be able to live with yourself the way that you are in that moment at that time. And mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it just seems like this is the, this goes a really strange direction. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is what I see all over the place with critical social justice, this mm-hmm. desire to let's change everything externally so that people don't feel bad about themselves. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, it's, there is a kernel of truth in, in every one of these movements, mm-hmm. you know, of course there's, there's racism, of course, there's sexism, of course, there's homophobia. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. People have experienced really terrible things. And also you cannot control how people think of you. Mm -hmm. Some people are going to have very negative thoughts about you and Mm -hmm. you can still live a good life. Mm -hmm. You know, if they're not acting, if they're not acting in a bad way, well, you can't control you can't even control your own thoughts how are you going to control somebody else's thoughts yeah i was speaking with someone the other day who was really troubled by it wasn't about fatness but just about personal choices and worrying about what people will think what will people mm-hmm. think this that a, a young person and and i and when i was listening to what this person was concerned about and where where they were getting their perspective or where they were hearing things that were troubling to them it was internet it was it was Mm -hmm. reading comments on social media the way people Mm -hmm. talk there's such a bluntness it's like I think about before there was social media there was this idea of 
the anonymity that we experience when we're driving in cars and we Mm -hmm. get so mad at the guy in front of us when he does X, Y, Z, which we might not have gotten as mad about if we could see his face and humanize him. Mm -hmm. And there's, as I've been on social media more over this past year, I have seen that it, it, it's really like the played out the past two weeks, Leslie. Oh, I know. (laughs) Hasn't it though? It's really interesting. People really, they, they can't Mm -hmm. just have a disagreement. Right. And, and talk about the issue, talk it through. Right. They have yeah. to like throw all kinds of vitriol of, and yeah, and and yeah. generalizations. Right. And even just thinking to some of the so the different uh there's this one um in I don't are you you're on Twitter. So mm-hmm. there's this one Twitter account that I think is just gratuitous trolling mostly. But mm-hmm. it's a very, it's a woman who does pro man stuff, but it's not really very, oh, pro. I think I know you know who I'm talking about. about. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. give them any press right. because yep. it's, or yep. her any press. Cause it's, yeah. I don't want to, I, right. I don't engage with it, but I see it and I see other people yeah. engaging. And so I see the reposts and stuff and right. this girl, she's just posting like the most hateful stuff about women and it's mm-hmm. like rage porn. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I watch as people engage back with it and, and it's, it's, it's like there's this part of us that wants to play in that area. That's the sandbox we want to play in. Just like mm-hmm. jump in and and throw insults and and have mic drops and zingers and and it, it's it's really interesting. And I wonder to what extent being in that online culture is starting to put those kind of neuroses in people's minds you know yeah it's like the eye of sauron is always on you yeah yeah it just it doesn't seem like it's uh it's a healthy thing for us to be thinking that much about what other people perceive i remember i i I used to some of the work i do is with eating disorders you know i'm i'm a psychotherapist and i was working with a mentor I was talking about my fears of my patients judging my body. And she laughed and she said, oh, don't worry about it. It's going to happen. And that's just a healthier attitude. Don't worry about it. People will judge you. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's true. It's true. People will think what they're going to think. And also oftentimes they're not thinking that much about you because they're more worried about themselves anyway. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I always think, I I wish people knew, I wish people knew that they're not important. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't mean like, you're not important. People Mm -hmm. don't care about you, but like, you're not that important and people aren't thinking about you. That could be very freeing. Mm -hmm. Like if you trip in a room in front of people, they might notice, and then they're not going to remember it. They're not going to care. If you wear a blue dress to a conference, a lot of people might care and have many opinions about it. <laughs> and you also don't have to let that bother you. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't talked to you at all about what you think about that. I don't know if yeah. you want to go there, but you're welcome you to if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think the big kerfuffle is interesting because in my perception. It's not people who attended the conference who had a big problem with it. It was all of these people who saw things online mm-hmm. and made a lot of assumptions. Like, how how could Jen Specht invite Phil? I don't think he was invited. I think he paid admission for a ticket and attended. Hmm. I don't. And, I don't know the. Yeah, I, I. I mean, either way, yeah, but right, but like. He wasn't a speaker. He wasn't. No, he wasn't yeah. a speaker. Or on a panel and, or anything. Yeah. Right. His choice of dress was odd. It's not what I would choose to wear to a conference. I'm not a dress gal. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there were there were several people at the conference who I wasn't really comfortable interacting with, and so I didn't. Mm-hmm. And that was that's a choice everybody has. And mm-hmm. that's discomfort for a variety of reasons, some of which were people were some people were drinking really heavily and sloppy drunk. Mm-hmm. And I don't particularly like that, but you know, it's, you are going to run into people who make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. If people are not breaking a law, there is little that you can do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do think we need to return to some social norms that we had 
and some laws that we had to protect women's spaces, women's sports, women's prisons, et cetera. Um, but there's not a law against wearing a dress to a conference. Yeah. And you may come across people who are wearing things that aren't appropriate for events and you have to deal with your own discomfort. Well, and I, I haven't been, I, the, the quality of the arguments has been something interesting. I, mm -hmm. I said something about that kind of offhandedly in the conversation I had with Aaron Kinsfader okay. this morning, and we did a live stream. So mm -hmm. somebody responded back to my comment and said, well, have you, you haven't been watching the feminist critiques where they really are giving good arguments. And okay, that's true. I haven't, I've just seen mm -hmm. a lot of really angry and, and yeah. I've, I've, I had my entire, like one of my YouTube videos, just tons of really nasty comments about mm. this stuff. And, and it's not being done with, uh, I think that, that one of the things to keep in mind is if we're going to say a man can't wear a dress, mm -hmm. Where do we start drawing that line? Where do we draw right. it? Because then are you also going to take a hard line stand on the uh, trans people that attend mm -hmm. who are actually post-surgical right. trans people who right. are, um, you know, male to female and come mm -hmm. in women's clothing and presenting mm -hmm. feminine. Some you may not be able to tell because right. they are passing very well and others you will be able to tell because they're not passing as well. So is right. that going to be, is that the place to draw the line and, and men, we're going to check your birth certificate and make sure that you're wearing what you, and then there's right. what about the trans, the, the female to male. Because yeah. And there was, there were several pass the very well, usually. Yeah. Yeah. Very well. And so are you yeah. going to tell them that they have to wear what's a, what, and what is women's clothing? Because women get to dress across the spectrum. Very right. Uh, yeah. you can wear anything you can wear masculine mm -hmm. clothes feminine clothes and it's all mm -hmm. women's clothing and so I right. feel like that's I guess that's I I don't see what you could really do differently unless right. you want to start drawing those lines and that's a yeah. difficult line to draw and that doesn't that doesn't it doesn't matter what I think about autogynephilia to make that argument that doesn't right I yeah I have questions about what is autogynephilia is it just is it something that's more associate with autism or or narcissism is there mm -hmm. some what are what is this i don't right. know but that's an that's an entirely separate discussion but if we're talking about regulating what people what is appropriate where right yeah i think that you can go into some really uh you can get some really dangerous places really quickly right well and it's I think I understand the argument that some people are making that this is these types of things, specifically AGP is mm -hmm. something that is more out in society. And there are men who are dangerous to women mm -hmm. and they are trying to get into women's spaces. And I, I get the concern of like, if we allow this, you're, you're kind of having a green light for other people who may you know, try to infringe on women's spaces. Yeah. But that's a slippery that's slope a argument, right. which is a rhetorical fallacy. So is this behavior actually wrong or is, or is this it, behavior or is just similar? actually really slippery? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because if we're talking strictly behavior, we already have, I mean, do we, I don't know. Do we have a, a rule around who can go into women's spaces? But if we want to, make that rule this guy wasn't violating that this right right let, let's wasn't. say that's in place but he wasn't yeah. pretending to be a woman no, he or wasn't pretending to, to be spaces. a woman he wasn't using the ladies room as far as i know um right and so so i guess that's where you know when i look at twitter and i see people so angry like what did you want people to practically do mm -hmm. In that moment mm -hmm. where you have somebody attending a conference, their dress is unusual. They are, they identify as an autogynophile. They're very open about this. They've mm -hmm. written, he's written a book about this. He is not pretending to be a woman. Mm -hmm. He's not infringing in women's spaces. What does, what does the organization practically do in that moment? Mm -hmm. We, I mean, there are a lot of people who are attending the con who attended the conference who work with 
people with AGP who work mm -hmm. with trans people, whether they have medicalized or not. Mm -hmm. This is part of our world. And maybe some people have greater levels of comfort with that than others. Mm -hmm. um, it's not surprising. Somebody like Phil attended the conference. Mm -hmm. This, we are talking about gender issues and it, mm -hmm. it's kind of like, I don't know, being mad that somebody brings pom-poms to a cheerleading conference. Like, okay, <laughs> you're going to expect that. It's, it wasn't unexpected to see people who were in different levels of transition or detransition or people who like to dress in gender nonconforming ways or people who identify as autogynophiles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a lot easier to draw boundaries around behavior than mm -hmm. something like this. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's also this this desire for purity that hmm. uh, like... Um, some people were saying, you know, he should have been thrown out. Mm. Okay. Because there's this desire to have what the conference be this pure something. I, I don't know. Yeah. I just yeah. wonder how, how do you draw that line? I mean, because it does seem like some of it gets into thought policing, mm -hmm. which I think is also a very dangerous place to, to try to regulate. I mean, right. the, he says, he has, uh, he's autogynophilic, which mm -hmm. informs his, he says that autogynophilia, according to his theory, is behind most of, or the largest number of trans. Um, male to female. Yeah, male to female. And he even identifies it the other way around too. But he claims that it's the motivating factor behind people's decision to transition. So mm -hmm. that's not to say that it is a direct practice of your sexual behavior it is saying mm -hmm. that it informs your desire to then live a certain way and and mm -hmm. and dress a certain way and want to be a certain way but mm -hmm. it's behind that thing mm -hmm. and so if he were doing something uh inappropriate sexually that would be a really mm -hmm. clear line to draw but just right. dressing just having a fashion choice if that's your everyday wear mm -hmm. It, would that be okay if you claimed that you weren't autogynophilic? If you said, I'm not, I'm just gay and I like to dress this way. I'm absolutely not on a, autogynophilic. This is just my fashion. Would that be okay? Mm -hmm. But if you, if you admit that you have these certain thoughts, then it's not okay. And that seems like kind of where we're going with this mm -hmm. conversation as well. He said he's autogynophilic, which means that he's practicing a fetish. Mm -hmm. But so the other people who were dressing gender nonconforming or had done, taken steps to medically transition because we don't know how they relate to the concept of auto, as he mm -hmm. would call it, auto heterosexuality. What, we mm -hmm. don't know if there's a sexual component for them because they right. haven't talked about that out loud. Mm -hmm. So is that okay? Just because we don't know the contents of their mind. Right. And it seems like there's some level of permissibility around that as long as it's not stated. It's like, you can't say the quiet part out loud. Mm -hmm. and Which is what we want people to be able to do. To be able to do. Yeah. Yeah. To be able to be. And even if we were to end gender ideology, like today, even if we stopped the stop doctors from performing surgeries or prescribing hormones and mm -hmm. stop teaching this to kids, we have now a couple, like a couple of generations of people who are going to be going through life with some right. degree of surgical alteration or ideological uh, conviction. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to take a while, even if it were to end, it's going to take a while to work through right. the culture. Yeah. And we have to, we have to somehow figure out how to live with people. We can't draw that purity line. We're right. going to have that nonconformity and that ambiguity around us. Yeah. And I don't think that we can get into a space where we start to police people's dress based on reading their mind. Mm -hmm. We have to read their behavior, not their. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's a strange thing, though. It is strange. It is. It's all weird. <laughs> yeah. I guess bottom line is you cannot control other people. You can control yourself. You can control. Yeah, you, you can. You can deal with your own experience and 
you don't always have to interact with other people and you cannot control what they're thinking. Yeah, and I think that it's good to get a little um, internet cleanse once in a while to help with yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Any final thoughts on the the uh, fat librarians? libraries? Yeah, fat librarians. Um, I don't think so. I think that's about it. I think it's, I, I, I thought it was weird. It, it's the presenter started off by saying librarians need to be prepared to participate in and lead conversations about fatness and their work. I don't know why. That's interesting. Yeah. So, but the fat librarians are just all librarians. Um, I don't know. I because don't know. It just... seems like they're saying here, we're going to tell you how fat librarians feel so right. that they don't have to tell you so that yeah. you can advocate for them. So maybe that's, maybe this is supposed to be shifting the burden. Yeah. I don't know. But but it sounds like fat education. Right. Librarians okay. need to be prepared to participate in and lead conversations about fatness and their work. That sounds like activism and advocacy. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for thanks for having a conversation with me about this. I knew it would be interesting to look at this together. Yeah. And uh, what are you up to right now? And do you want to plug anything? Um, well, I am a therapist and licensed in Illinois and Texas. I see people in person in Illinois and also through telehealth. Um, I also started a coaching business, haven't done really anything with that, but that would be more for, uh, people who don't need psychotherapy, but, but need some help. So it could be, I am in a school program and my peers are driving me kind of batty and I need some help getting through it. It could be, you know, I've got Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up and I need to go, you know, I'm spending some time with my family and my dad's an active alcoholic. How do I get through the holidays? So if you need any individual short-term help, you can contact me for coaching. Um, I may be doing some groups in the future for grandparents or siblings. Um, if they have, you know, people in their family who identify as trans, that's something that I'm starting to play around with maybe some groups in the future but if you're if people are looking for therapy or coaching they can contact me um, I can give you my contact info that you can put in the show notes absolutely you want to say it out loud real quick so that sure. it, for anybody who's just listening yeah. yeah you can email me at info at jennyrogerstherapy.com okay great well I'll definitely put that link in the okay. notes as well for people all right thanks thanks again Jenny yeah this is nice yeah, it's nice to talk with you.